So welcome everybody. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm actually so happy that I'm here. Um, and I'm really excited. Uh, you know, I've been having a lot of fun uh, with this series because I love asking questions like this. I love asking questions of why do I do the things that I do and why do I do them in the way that I do them and stuff like that. And we kind of started last week just for fun with the, uh, the Gillette commercial that's been so controversial. You know, the, the, um, the slogan of Gillette, the razor blade company, is uh, the best a man can get. And they were kind of showing all this stuff from the Me Too movement and sexual harassment and all of this stuff and saying, is this the best that men can be or can men be better uh, for themselves and for the next generation? And we got from that, we started, we, we kind of, you know, kind of just embraced this concept that if we do keep doing the same things that we're doing and we just keep doing those things or keep thinking in those same ways, we're going to continue having the same result. And I don't know about you, but there's lots of things in my life that I love and there's lots of things in my life that I'd like to change. And for the things that I'd like to change, if I, if I keep thinking the same way, I'm bound to end up doing very much, very much uh, of the same and we kind of look just at a very little bit of scripture of Jesus and St. Paul and showing that that Jesus had a custom of going to the to, to, to the synagogue on the Sabbath day St. Paul would go to a new town he'd go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and, and in, in in both those areas it says as was his custom so like Everybody has a custom, has a ritual, has a culture. And we kind of talked about this and about personal productivity and how to organize your day back several months ago and how, you know daily rituals and what you do in the morning and what you do in the evening to set yourself up for the best day ever. And that series was called the, Your Best Day Ever. But I want to kind of take it like one step higher, you know, and not just the nitty gritty of like, do I brush my teeth or take a shower first? But... I want to take it one step higher and say, what are your customs? What are my customs? What are my customs that make me me? And are those things that I've given thought to and I've like, I've examined these things or am I just doing what I'm doing? Uh, and last week we, we looked at like, you know, intention and purpose and identity and how these things all relate to each other. Um, here we have a bit about St. Paul and we, last week we talked about Last week we talked about love um, and that love is the greatest of all. I'll just get the slides back up here because they came down. So last week, uh, you know, I introduced you, maybe you've heard of it before, this book called The Greatest Thing in the World by a guy called Henry Drummond. Um, and he says the greatest thing in the whole wide world is love. So last week, we talked about maybe an element of, of culture that you'd like to adopt into your own personal operating culture. That's kind of what we're talking about. Like, what from, from where do I operate each day, right? Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about compassion in action, compassionate love, being able to co-suffer, to reach out to others and to see where they are and where they're at. Today, we're going to shift gears to maybe something a little different. Yesterday was kind of a going out of oneself, 
you know, a going out to meet people, uh, a, 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 you know, a reaching out. And we're going to touch on that a little bit today. But today I want to ask a different question. I want to, I don't want to ask, yeah, last week I was asking the question, do you notice the needs of the people around you? Or, 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 or am I so, you know, wrapped up in my life that I don't even see what's going on around me, right? This week, I want to ask a different question. I want to ask, what does it feel for, so, for someone when they come and talk to me? Last week was going out. This time is, this week is ready to receive. Are you ready to receive people? I'll tell you something. We're doing a dinner discussion series here um, uh, in the summer. And um, I was having a really bumpy day and I needed something from the office, which is, you know, that way, right? And so I came in from the entrance. I saw a couple of people. They smiled at me. I kind of nodded my head. I put my head down and I bolted for the office, you know, right? I, every door I opened, I closed behind me. I got what I needed and I went out the side door thinking to myself, why did I not come in from the side door, right? I was not ready to receive. I'm sure you've all had your days like that where you're not ready. You're just, you're not ready to talk to anybody, right? You're not ready to talk to anybody. Um, so, uh, I want to move, I, I'm speaking for myself, I don't know about you, I want to move away from that John to a different John. I'll show you, share with you a little bit about this John. This John is, uh, this is 1995. Hopefully most of the people in the room here were, were, were alive then, uh, right? And right next, right to my left, there is a, a fellow named Mark Dude. Mark became my best friend. Um, and on the other side is, is, is Murad Murad. Uh, Murad Murad is Father Kurulus and Mark Dawood is Father Joseph. Um, and uh, I was, yeah. So uh, the first time I met, I, I met Mark a bunch of times because he grew up in Ottawa, I grew up in Montreal. So I, and I didn't like him. I, I just, you know, I had my first impression. I don't like this guy. He's kind of full of himself. He's really too touchy-feely for me, like, you know, and I just, I don't like this guy. He's my best friend now, by the way, right? So how did we become best friends? Well, in 1995, there was a youth conference in Montreal, and all the youth from Ottawa came to Montreal. They came a day early, and they went to the theme park. They went to the theme park, and I had a season's pass that year, so I've been to the theme park a zillion times. I happened to be there. I didn't know they were coming. So I was at the theme park with a friend or something. That friend, I don't know, went to the washroom or whatever. And next thing you know, uh, next thing you know, like there's all these like Coptic youth. So I'm like, where are you from? Oh, you're from Ottawa, this and that and so on. And um, at uh, La Ronde, which was the theme park in Montreal, I don't know if it's still there. There is this like rickety wooden roller coaster. It's like intentionally rickety to like scare you, right? Um, and they all wanted to go on the monster, the roller coaster. And so the, all of you, they all go and they line up and whatever. And I see Mark is standing back. I was, I, you know, was going with them. And then I see this guy, Mark, who I know, like, I don't know him really well, but I don't like him anyways, right? Uh, he, uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't go. So I asked him, are you, are, you, are, you, are you coming? He says, no, I'm scared of heights. I don't do, I don't do anything like higher than whatever, right? So I thought to myself, well, I don't know. I've been like, like I, 
like I've probably been to this theme park like 20 times this summer already. So I'm not, you know, in need of going on this roller coaster. So I figured, you know what, let me hang out with this poor soul, you know. That'll probably be about 20 minutes or something. I can probably, you know, stand him for 20 minutes. At least he won't have to be alone, right? So we get talking and we talk a little bit about this and we talk a little bit about that. They came down from the roller coaster. They went somewhere else. They came back. We spent the rest of the day sitting on that park bench in the theme park in front of the monster talking, him and I. And that was it. Instantaneously, best friends. And through all the identity crises I went through, you know, one per month practically, right, when you're an adolescent, Mark is the one that got me through. Mark became my role model. Mark became the person I wanted to be. He was two, two and a half years older than me. I just wanted to be Mark. And uh, now he's my father. His name is Father Joseph. His name is not Mark anymore. But what would have happened if I wasn't ready to receive that day? What would, happen, what would have happened if I would have been bolting from the front door to the office, looking down, not making face, eye contact with anybody that day? I don't know. Would, have, would I have met him somewhere else? Would we have clicked somewhere else? I already had a kind of negative idea about this person, right? Would we somehow have clicked in some other way? I don't know, maybe. It's a, it's a small world, but I don't know. You know, I am so blessed with these two amazing men that have gotten me through the darkest periods of my life and have they god has used them to make me who i am today and the story with abuna krolos is not so dissimilar right but shows that there's a there's a readiness to receive that makes opportunities happen that one decision to stay back and not go on the roller coaster, I can honestly say changed my life. And if you talk to my sister or my parents, the people who knew me in my mid and late teen years, they will tell you that basically whatever Mark did, I did a little bit later. Mark will never say this. He'll say John was my role model and so on, but we all know the truth. The trouble is, is like we're busy. Like I would love to talk to you, but enough time or I'm insecure oftentimes we project our insecurities on other people oftentimes I say this person is so proud this person's so arrogant this person so but oftentimes what I'm doing is just sort of projecting projecting what's come so naturally to me or sometimes I'm just lost in my own world I'm not busy but I'm preoccupied and so people walk by things happen and I'm just in my own in my own zone right and i'm sure you can relate i'm sure all of us have had times like that other times i overthink things i have a conversation with somebody and then i'm i'm about to like 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 open myself up to receive them and i'm like well, well, well maybe they'll think this or maybe they'll think that and and right and there's a multitude of other reasons why we don't necessarily open ourselves to receive you know, uh, it's very interesting. In English, we kind of lose this. But in, in French and in Deutsch and in all these other languages, everything, every noun has, uh, like, like, like has a gender, you know? Like, like a chair is female, you know? Why is a chair female? Because what do you do with a chair? For the most part, you sit on a chair. The chair receives you, 
right? So these are feminine attributes, right? This, this, this ability to receive is actually a feminine attribute of God. God is the perfection of masculinity and femininity. And I'm not going to get all into gender theology now because that's a whole, different, it's a whole different thing to talk about, but it's, I find it fascinating, right? But God had created us in his image and likeness. His, it's, he is the perfect femininity. He receives us. He brings us, he brings us in, right? And that's, and that's what God, part of what God created us for. Part of what God created Adam for. Why'd you say Adam, Father John? Because God says it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. When God makes Eve, Adam is supposed to receive her. So it's not like, it's, I'm not talking now about like your, you know, your, your biological phenotype. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, the, the, the gender that you identify with, you know, or what your biology is. I'm talking, I'm talking about just an attribute of our culture, right? How hospitable am I, right? How much do I display hospitality? How much do I agree that it is not good that a man should be alone? Any human should be alone. It is not good that I should be alone. And it is not good that the person who's standing by themselves over there should be alone either. How much do I believe that? Do I only believe this in a context of, of marriage or lifetime companionship? Or do I believe this in every context? Do I believe this at work? Do I believe this at home? You know how many people come and talk to me that they're lonely in their home and they don't live alone? How many of us believe this in every social context where we have interpersonal relationships? That it is not good for man to be alone. You know what is good? Is to be together. And it's easy. It just takes one person who's ready to receive. In, uh, in Ecclesiastes 4, it says there's this beautiful part about why it's good, it's good to be with somebody. And at one point it says, and I took it from the Living Bible because, you know, the Living Bible is a paraphrase, okay? So it's not, it's not like scripture word for word. They've taken scripture and they've tried to make it a little bit more accessible. The message as well, you'll find a few quotes from there. One standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two standing back to back can conquer. You know when I really experienced this? Okay, so in elementary school, I was a cool kid. In high school, somehow I managed to, in the first like two weeks, to really irritate the cool kids and I just became a loser, right? By grade nine, I had managed to accept the fact, like I had accepted the identity of loser, but, and I was okay with it by then. But like from seven to nine, what happened? This is what happened. One day, as I realized I can't sit with the cool kids for lunch, so I walked in and I saw some kid sitting by himself. His name was Adam, right? So I saw Adam. I didn't know his name at the time, but I went and I saw him sitting eating his lunch. So I went and sat, sat next to him in the corner of the cafeteria. So I sat with him. And when I sat with him, I noticed somebody else sitting by themselves. So I said, say, say Adam, we're like halfway through our lunch. I know this is kind of weird, but what do you say we pick up both of our lunches and we go sit with that person? He's like, well, why don't you invite them to come here? I'm like, you do just come. So we went and we sat with that person. Well, pretty soon we developed our own posse, Adam and I, of the losers, right? <laughs> but the thing is, is this, is that 
the losers outnumbered the cool kids, right? And we had more clout, right? And we, we all had like this common bond of being rejected by like those four other kids, right? But we're like 15, 20, right? We would fill more than a table. And anybody who wanted to sit with us would just come sit. Like, I don't care. It's fine, right? And all of a sudden, I learned something. That the, the person that like, and we're going to talk about this next week. But like the person that you feel is rejecting you is a minority. They're always a minority. If you associate yourself with a majority. And there's power in numbers and there's comfort in numbers and that's what this verse is saying in a certain sense it's saying if you fight by yourself you don't know where they're gonna come at you from but once somebody's watching your back I mean you that's half the battle literally right I got this side you got that side okay right it's good it's good for us to be together with other people Alexei Komiakov, the Russian theologian and philosopher, writes, If anyone falls, he falls alone. But no one is saved alone. We don't really believe, I don't really believe, I know what I'm going to say now is really counterculture. I hope I don't offend anybody or shock you. I don't really believe in individualism. No, I, don't, I just don't believe that it exists. Like making sure there aren't too many kids here. I don't believe that the tooth fairy exists anymore. Individualism to me is what, like the tooth fairy. It's something that I thought once upon a time existed, but it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as an individual who chooses to associate themselves with others. We are by definition connected so intimately connected one to another. And that's, that's what community is all about, right? And this touches very deeply the, how we understand our transition from this life to the kingdom of heaven. How we understand it, it's very, it's very simple. We're part of this fabric of life. We're part of this river of life which stems from the throne of God. People have gone before me and people are going to come after me. And I'm, I'm part of that fabric of life. Or am I? Right? But no one is saved alone. Elder Porphyrius, who was a monk on Mount Athos, wrote a beautiful book called Wounded by Love. I had the gifts of spiritual guidance and clairvoyance and, you know, tell you, tell you why you're coming and the solution to your problem before you have a chance to talk, would say no one should wish to be saved alone without all others being saved as well. Another saintly father, Father Sophroni, says, if we wish to commune, speaking about Holy Communion, we must pay the price to pray for the salvation of all humanity, all humanity. How can I say I'm in union with humanity? But if they go to hell, they go to hell. I mean, like, come on, I don't, I don't get to decide for them, you know, right? St. Isaac the Syrian, quoted by multiple other people, has said this has been attributed to many people, but I think St. Isaac was the first to say it. Love all, pray for all, weep for all, repent 
for all. Repent for the sins of others. That's what he's saying, right? You see, like the person who does this receives, is, is, open, is open to receiving others into themselves. I'm open to receiving you. What's your story? Where'd you come from? You know, it's really, it's really an embrace. St. Siloam, also of Mount Athos, the Athenite says, the man who knows the delight of the love of God, when the soul warmed by grace loves both God and her brother, knows in part that the kingdom of God is within us. Blessed is that soul that loves her brother, for our brother is our life. Blessed is the soul that loves her brother. The spirit of the Lord lives manifest within her, giving peace and gladness. This is what Jesus said. When two or three of you are gathered together and you agree together on anything, Jesus says, if two or three of you gather together and agree on anything, I will be there with you. Just agree. <laughs> Just stop. Just stop being a stick in the mud. Just agree. Just, just stop fighting. Just give up, you know? Just accept the other. I have some very simple advice and it's stuff we've shared before and it's the advice that was said to me. Sometimes all I need to do is literally get up and walk across the room. All I need to do is look around and see, is there someone who's standing alone? Literally, I'm not figuratively. And if so, just get up and walk across the room. They will probably see you coming. That by itself, if you say hello and they say hello and they tell you in, you know, in other words, thank you very much, but no thanks, that alone is a message. I came to seek you. That says something. It doesn't matter how far, it doesn't matter if you become best friends for life or not. It matters that that person knows that you had an openness to them. Invite people to speak who haven't spoke up, spoken up in a conversation. Many times I'm standing around with people. Some people are more talkative. Some people are more witty and so on. And, and they kind of get, get in there faster. Sometimes you see somebody standing quietly. They say, hey, so, so and so, what do you think? You know, to be the person who, who opens the door for people figuratively in a conversation or in a place. Okay, here's like the most practical and the simplest one, okay? Don't do inside jokes. I love inside jokes. I was king of inside jokes. I love people and I pick up on little things with people so I remember a lot of these little quirky things. But inside jokes are inside jokes because they're inside to you and another person. But that necessarily means they're outside to other people. Sometimes I think of an inside joke and I can't resist. So I'll say it and then I'll explain the context to, some, to, to whoever else is standing. I'll say it, you and I will laugh and then I'll say, so there was this time, right? Where we were, da da da. Bring others from the outside in. Let them laugh too, why not? Or just don't do it. Just don't do it. You know, here's another one. This wasn't in my notes, but you know, I noticed something. I noticed something in all of scripture. 
I couldn't find a single time where Jesus was sarcastic. I used to be the most sarcastic person you've ever met. On my grade seven English report card, it said, excellent, if only he wrote in English and would be better if he could write something without sarcasm. <laughs> it made it into my report card, right? But I just decided if Jesus is not sarcastic, I'm going to do my best. Some of my mentors are very sarcastic. They're very holy people, and I'm not judging them. But I'm just saying, when I looked at Jesus, I didn't find a hint of sarcasm in him. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm taking this too far, right? A couple of, couple of other things really quickly, right? In Hebrews 13, it says, Don't forget to be kind to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. What's St. Paul referring to here? He's referring to Abraham. Abraham is sitting at the door of his tent and he sees three men walking and they're walking towards him. So what does he do? He runs towards them. He's an elderly man. He's over 100 years old at this point or he's, he's in his 90s, right? He's nine, in his 90s. And he, he runs to them and he insists that they stay with him. Who else did that? The disciples of Emmaus, they insisted that the stranger who was walking with them, who was Jesus, would stay with them. What happened in both those stories? In both those stories, their insistence to accept this person, to receive them, to lay a table before them, to feed them, to show them hospitality, what did it do? It revealed God. Like the, this icon that's, you know, this Eastern Orthodox icon of the three angels is oftentimes called the icon of the hospitality of Abraham. It's also called the icon of the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity is revealed through the hospitality of Abraham. When the disciples of Emmaus are walking with the resurrected Christ, but they don't know him, he's just a stranger, and, and they're talking on the road, and they're depressed, and they're sad. I mean, Jesus died, and all this stuff, and some people are saying he rose from the dead, but we don't know, and he starts explaining to them, and they make it to their destination, and he says, I was going to go a little further, and it's getting kind of dark, so I should probably go, and they insist, stay with us. It is getting dark. Don't, stay with us the night. Have a meal, and they insist he stays with them. The two disciples show this stranger, which is the resurrected Christ, but they don't know it. Hospitality. And they sit at the table and he takes the bread and he breaks it. People say he vanishes. The fathers tell us he transformed himself into the bread. And he says, at the breaking of the bread, they knew him. It's true. It is true. It's not symbolic or, or mythological. Or It is true that where two people agree to be united, God himself is there and revealed. But it takes one person to receive the other, right? In Romans 15, it says, Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Just as Christ accepted me. How did Christ accept me? Totally forgot about my past. Not forgot like that it's out of one's memory. Has overlooked it. And so on. I mean, there's so much that could be said and I'm just going to leave it with you. How has Christ, how has God received me? My own personal experience of him. That 
is the benchmark. That is the standard by which I am trying to receive others. Okay, quoting my favorite person in the whole wide world, my wife, <laughs> right? She says, the next stranger you greet may end up being your best friend, but it all depends on how you greet them, right? I mean, I have a literal story where literally the stranger became my best friend, but she was saying this to me very early in our lives before we were together or anything, we're just friends. And we're talking about, about this or about something. And she says to me, always treat the person who's coming to talk to you, the stranger who's coming to talk to you, like they could be your next best friend. You have nothing to lose. You don't close any door. You don't burn any bridges by doing that. In fact, you, you, you make fertile soil for maybe, maybe a great relationship. So in light of that, Indra Nui, who was the, the, the chairman CEO of Pepsi-Cola like International uh, for 12 years, she just, just stepped down, says the most useful leadership advice she ever received was from her father. And her father told her, always assume positive intent. Always assume positive intent. When someone is doing something to hurt you, and it has been brought to your attention, assume positive intent. Assume they did it for a good reason. Assume they, they were doing it for the better of the company. They were doing it for the, you know, they were doing it for something good. Might not be good that they did it, but assume positive intent. Makes it a lot easier to receive people, to accept people. I love this and I took it from the message because I felt it was just a, just a great paraphrase that really made it so clear. It says, welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. It's easy to welcome people who see things the way I see them. But how about people who don't see things the way I see them? Welcome them and don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that there are strong opinions, but weaken the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. This is obviously a paraphrase, right? But it really brings out, it really brings out the meaning. Sometimes people come and talk to me and for all practical intents and purposes, they're wrong. Like what they're saying is just wrong. Honestly, many times I stand there and I tell God, I pray and tell God, what am I supposed to say? Right? If I tell somebody you're wrong, well, that's kind of the end of the conversation. That's not very helpful, right? If I just join in with it, like, like I don't know how to do that. Like, I'm, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not witty enough to do that. So oftentimes I sit there quietly and I listen attentively. And somebody asks me, say, that's very interesting. Tell me more about that. Listen some more. Why not? Why not? It's not about the message that's being communicated. It's about the message that's being communicated back, that you're welcomed. You're received. I'm okay. I'm okay with the fact that we're different. I'm okay with the fact that you're atheist. I'm okay with the fact that you're agnostic. I'm okay with the fact that you think that the church did all these horrible things. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Hey, I'm okay with you. I'm okay with you. Your ideas, my ideas, we can talk about those. But the most important message is, hey, I'm okay with you. The last thing is help where you can. So... This is also from Romans, also paraphrases, those of us who are strong and able in the faith 
need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. I want to tell you something. Almost every single time I feel like I did something that made a difference, it probably was not something which was convenient for me. So now I've, I've, I've developed a very deep suspicion to my convenience. <laughs> like if I see something, I'm like, oh, gee, that fits perfectly in my schedule. Hmm. How much, well, how much good is going to come out of that, right? Like we're investing our time in things. We've got s such limited amount of time. How much good is going to come out of that? Just, just, just a, you know, a generalization, a hasty generalization. Most of the things that have brought the most good in my life were not very convenient for me. The verse continues and says, strength is for service, not for status. If God has made me strong in an area, if I am strong in an area, if I have education in an area, if I've got charisma in an area, I've just, just got the natural know-how in one area, that's not so that I can big me up. Because only God deserves to be bigged up. That is for the sole purpose of caring for others, right? And asking the question, how can I help? The last thing is to manage my insecurities. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. But imagine for a moment, okay? Like just drop what you're doing, put your coffee cup down, close your eyes for a second. Imagine if you weren't too busy to meet that best next best friend for your life. Imagine if you weren't too insecure to accept that person, next person into your life. Imagine, imagine if, 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 if we weren't lost in our own world and our own preoccupations and our own concerns that I could just let go. Open my arms wide like Jesus on the cross and receive. Receive who? Receive whoever comes. Receive my neighbor. Receive my spouse. Receive my child. Receive a brother, a sister. Receive a friend. Receive a stranger. But open my arms wide. Without fear that I'm the one who's going to get shot. Open my arms wide. Trust. Just throw myself. Arms wide open into life. Into the possibilities that are waiting for me. Are you ready to receive? Let's stand and sing one last song. called me friend 
There are no outsiders to your love. We are all welcome, there's grace enough. When I have wandered, Lord, your cross is the open door. There are no outsiders. An outsider to your love. You are the harbor in every tempest. When my soul is shipwrecked, tossed on the waves, you calm the storm. You are the Father, and there are no orphans. Every tribe and nation gathered in your arms, we sing with one voice. We sing with one voice. There are no outsiders to your love. We are all welcome, there's grace enough. When I have wandered, Lord, your cross is the open door. There are no outsiders. I'm not an outsider to your love. I was poor, I was thrown upon your shores. I was homeless and afraid Till I heard you call my name Now I am ransomed, now I am restored Resurrected, I am yours I am loved, yes I belong My soul has found its home There are no outsiders to your love. We all welcome this grace enough. When I have wandered, Lord, your cross is the open door. There are no outsiders. I'm not an outsider. No outsiders to your love. We are all welcome, there's grace enough. When I have wandered, Lord, your cross is the open door. There are no outsiders. I'm not an outsider. No, there are no outsiders. No, I'm not an outsider to your love. Lord, hear us as we pray to you in the way you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Give the power and the glory for him.
Now the love of God the Father, the grace of His only begotten Son, the gift and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace and may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.